0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Keep Left, the program of the Victorian Labor College. In the studio is John Lafferty. Hello everybody. Uh, and myself, Chris Gaffney. Kim, unfortunately, can't be here. She's got to go to the doctors. Well, I suppose we've got to talk about stupid Bronwyn Bishop. After her three weeks of public controversy over her travel and accommodation expenses, uh, she's resigned as the Australian Parliamentary Speaker. The scandal which emerged over a helicopter ride, which cost $5,227 from the city of Melbourne to Geelong, was uh, the subject of the controversy. She was finally forced to resign uh, amidst a brewing revolt by government backbenchers over the weekend, which began to destabilise Abbott's own leadership. So she had to go. Um, because Bishop and her extravagant spending at taxpayers' expense were becoming a focus for public hostility towards the entire parliamentary setup. up People are not distinguishing really between one MP and another, uh, the Fairfax media journalist Philip Corey said that uh, focus groups polling seen by this column shows that Bishop's behaviour has reflected poorly on all politicians. Uh, Bishop, who personifies the wealthy layers of Sydney's mm-hmm. North Shore, not only uh, generated a resentment over the helicopter ride, which was, would have been a, a road trip of only one hour, she also thumbed her nose at public opinion by initially refusing to say she did anything wrong. And you can imagine her saying, well, I'm entitled to it. Entitlement syndrome. Revelations then continue to uh, pile up. Over the weekend, we've learned that Bishop spent $6,000 on a charter flight from Sydney to the town of Nara, 160 kilometres to the south. What, two hours driving, I suppose? Mm -hmm. As well as thousands of dollars a week on chauffeur-driven limousines. Once she was installed as the House of Representatives Speaker 20 months ago, at a salary of a mere $341,000 a year, she managed to accumulate $336,000 in international travel. Uh, But she exemplifies the privileged position of parliamentarians. Their salaries, we should remind ourselves, range from 195000 figures that about what I'd learned in my lifetime... uh, Salaries range from 195,000 to 507,000 for the prime minister. That's before you count the travel allowances and the many other allowances that can actually
0: double these figures. And when Bronwyn leaves, she will be getting 225,000 per annum. It's not 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 lifting a finger here. No, no, no. Uh, plus live living, free domestic flights, and a few other goodies thrown in.
1: Well, when I, when I read that, like you, I thought. Oh, that's not much uh, superannuation, two hundred twenty thousand. I didn't realise. Then I read Per <laughs> <year>. <laughs> Yeah, that's per year. right. Yeah. There's five thousand. Um, I mean, what this shows, of course, is the gaping social chasm between the majority of working people and the parliamentarians and their corporate friends, whose interests they represent. The average Australian worker is on fifty eight thousand seven hundred a year, fifty eight thousand, and the minimum wage is thirty four thousand while a single unemployed person struggles to survive on benefits of less than $13,500. Uh, the, the Bishop scandal's been good in the sense that it's brought all these issues to the surface of public life and reunited discussion over Abbott's government's harsh austerity measures, talking about leaners and uh, lifters. lifters and what have you. Well, we all know who the leaners are. Well, exactly. Joe Hacking actually called for an end of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously Bronwyn missed that speech no. which uh, set to to make inroads into pensions, unemployment benefits, health and education, and other areas of public spending. Um, Bishop alluded to the potential for the Choppergate scandal to undermine public confidence in Parliament. Talk about
0: that. Thank God for that. We we have so much public confidence, don't we?
1: That's right. I I thought you were wonderful prior to this. Less than six months ago, Abbott barely survived what he called a near-death experience. Uh, At issue was not his leadership style, which is what they said it would be, or his failure to communicate, deep-growing concern within the Liberal Party over public resentment over the 2014 budget, which was an, a blatant attack on the working class uh, at the uh, exempting the rich. Attempts by Abbott and Hockey to moderate the 2015 budget to give the pretense, and it's only a pretense, mm. of being more equal, uh, only led to criticism from their friends in the corporate interests because they, they of course want savage austerity, reduced, uh, which you're going to talk about in a moment. That's reduced.
0: what they want, and they were. Uh, that's what they were trying to do initially with the last year's budget. That's they, just, right. they just weren't able to get it through. That's exactly well, that's, that's it, what that's they want
1: exactly. to do. Um, the continuing tensions in the Liberal Party reflect divisions on how best to impose deeply unpopular social messages, as well as tactical differences over Australia's role in Washington's pivot to Asia and the military build-up against China. Uh, Abbott tried to exonerate Bishop, saying that the problem wasn't Bishop, but parliamentary entitlements. But even the Australian Review had a headline which said, it wasn't Bronny, it was the system. Seriously, PM? (laughs) Well, there is the system. (laughs) Well, it is that, but it is that, but as if the Bronwyn Bishop was an innocent caught up in this. The affair also demonstrates the utter cynicism and hypocrisy of the Labour opposition, which daily mounted attacks on Bishop's born-to-rule attitude and her contempt for ordinary people. But on every issue facing the working class, Labour is in unity with the the Abbott government. It fully supports Australian involvement in US war plans against China, has voted for anti-terror legislation that tears up basic democratic rights and norms, and at its recent party conference, confirmed that the Labor government would maintain the government's draconian anti-refugee policies, including using the Navy to turn back asylum boats. Um, At the last conference, the Labor conference, Bill Shorten reaffirmed the Labor government would be fiscally responsible. Don't you hate that word? In other words, would implement even deeper budget cuts. Mm-hmm. The governments of Rudd and Gillard enacted austerity measures that laid the basis for the Abbott government's budgets. In, in 2014, and against this year, Labor voted for key government spending cuts. dumb and dumb. Oh, absolutely. It is. The very fact that Choppergate has been front and centre in Australian politics for weeks underscores the enormous disconnect between the political establishment and the vast majority of the population who look on in amazement with people with salaries in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. cheapskating, you know, cheapskating us us all. Um, And what's interesting, I think, is that scandals, personal smear and so-called wedge issues have dominated the media mainly because there's no real difference between the two major establishment parties on the pressing issues of war, austerity, and attacks on democratic rights. Exactly. I think you're quite right. Are you finished there?
0: Yes, I I think you're quite right to say that Bromham Bishop does personify the wealthy residents of Sydney's North Shore. You just have to look at her smug face. She certainly has had an awful lot of entitlement syndrome. Broman Bishop a, a Wikipedia uh, Broman just before it came, came out she's the daughter of Kathleen Congreve the great opera singer i believe i'm a not a fan of her but Ka- you don't know her no Ka- and she Kathleen C- Congreve according to Wikipedia was an opera singer and that was Broman Bishop's mother a few years ago uh, Broman teamed up with a man called Tony Abbott to sing Irving Berlin's A Couple of Swells. Now, this is an opera, but uh, I think it's rather ironic. If anyone knows A Couple of Swells, it's an old... Um, it comes from a... Th- whatever. Easter, Easter uh, parade, and it was written by Irving Berlin and sung by Judy Garland and Fred Astaire. Right, right. But if you listen to the lyrics, they're, they're wanting to head off to the Vanderbilts, the multimillionaires, to visit them, you see. Don't we all? And they, yeah, right. <laughs> but there are a couple of tramps, and they say we would drive up the avenue if we had a car. We would sail up the avenue if we had a boat, but we don't. So we'll walk up the avenue. It seems rather ironic when you think of what Broman Bishop has just been busted doing. She should have <laughs> oh, well a <walked>, helicopter. <laughs> she should have bloody well walked down the old Geelong Road. Is what she should have done, you mm-hmm. know. But Bronwyn, now, she she rose to become the Speaker in the House of Representatives. I think when you hear some of this, you'll see that she didn't do it because she had any academic brilliance. As a child, uh, sorry, um, at uni, she failed a total of 11 subjects over six years. That's quite a few. That's quite a few, but they always get another go. You see the the sons and daughters of the rich, they always have another go and another go and another go. This was back in the early 1960s.
1: When I was in the the law school in the early 1960s, Mm. there was one fellow who was the son of a wealthy man. He was, it's a four-year course, right? He was in his eighth
0: Year. Yeah. Well, Bromin had six years.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I think over six years, I think she tried three
0: times. I mean, basically, these people are idiots. And if they were working class, you know, they'd be like, get, go and get yourself a damn job. You know, yes, you'd be yes. lucky to get the poorest paid job there is. Yes, yes. And uh, this is what they say. She can rise to be the Speaker of the House of Reps. In her first year, she failed all four core subjects. In her second year, she failed all four core subjects. <laughs> well, she's consistent. <laughs> in, in her third year, I think they had pity on her. In her third year, she only failed three core subjects. She, she finally managed to, to get one <laughs> she But she always knew that she wanted to be uh, in politics, and from the age of 17, she was a member of the Young Liberals. Now, Chris, I'm not having a crack at you. I'm having a crack at these ruling class bludgers, okay? Yes, yes. These ruling class bludgers, because they love to tell the working class how much, you know, how much we should be earning at work and how we should enjoy our leisure time. Yes, quite. Broman's a big fan of... Uh, well, no, she's a patron of Opera Australia, mm-hmm. yeah, and this c- comes from her opera background. Right. i Like Wikipedia, Jet again, I love Wikipedia. Like most opera companies, how is it funded? Largely by a combination of government money but with a little bit of corporate sponsorship, private philanthropy and ticket sales. Now, try as I might, I couldn't find what percentage of government money goes to this.
1: I don't know, but the opera's not enormous, despite the mythology. It's actually mm. cheap to go to the opera than it is to go to any visiting rock star.
0: True, but the rock star's not taking... The, 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 fan, the fans are not being subsidised by the government, by the public money. This is the thing. I mean, if I want to go and see ACDC, they're coming out at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what's left of them, right? Why isn't that funded? Good question. Good question. That's working class entertainment, oh, yes, yes, you sorry, see. Yes, I don't so have this is socialism day. for the rich. It's entitlement syndrome. Right, right. No, I'm not. I'm not having a cracker at all. <laughs> <the best. laughs> no, that's all right. I mean, it should be like it was in the Soviet Union. I mean, of it like you know, fifty bucks getting. Well, the old my complaint crop, is right?
1: that why should the rich monopolise the best music?
0: Yes. Whatever
1: music, whatever it
0: is, you know. I mean, I play music. That's too, why you know. we have an operation three
1: CR because I think it's the best music in the in the universe, and I think everybody should share it. Exactly, you're making it available to the people, that's as right. was done uh, in what well,
0: the Soviet Union. In the Soviet Union, that's yes, true. You yes, know. yes, yes, yes. So yes. I'm uh, I'm going to speak about. If you want to do that now. I was wanting to quickly, because I was listening to I don't mean to be having a crack at anyone else, you know, but I was listening to the previous show, and I, I had this term bogan being used about 20 times in a matter of about five minutes, and it was being used in a very derogatory way, the bloody bogan this and the bloody bogan's that. I just Wikipedia-jet again the term bogan. The term bogan is an Australian slang word that can be used to describe a person with a l- lower... Yeah, okay. With a lower no I'm not with a. Mm. it's an Australian slang word that can be used to describe a person with a lower working class background or whose speech, clothing, attitude and behaviour exemplified a gratified exemplify a gratified working class mentality. I'm not going to be attacking people of, of the working class. The working class people are not always in the right. Certain working class people do the wrong thing all the time. But I'm going to try to reserve my attacks for the ruling class. So I'll speak a little bit about penalty rates. And once again, the working class and are under attack. We just see this everywhere, both in the workplace and in our leisure hours. Earlier this year, the shop, distributive and allied union in South Australia did a deal with Business SA to allow businesses employing over 40,000 people to pay lower penalty rates on weekends and end those paid during the week. This Wednesday's Herald Sun reported that across the country, weekend shift workers could lose up to $5,000 per year in pay under a proposal to replace Sunday penalty rates with a new flat weekend rate. Five thousand bucks, not much, according to some, but that—it's well, not to Bronman, but it is to you and I. Five thousand gets you the <laughs> helicopter ride to Geelong, correct? <laughs> that, that's what it would get, <laughs> Bronwyn, right? Oh, that's okay, okay yeah, yeah. Uh, our five thousand bucks, which they see, this is—they they take it from us, from our penalty rates, and Bronman gets a helicopter ride to Geelong. Mm. That's fair, no. <laughs> That's nearly $100 per week lost from pay packets. $100 per week. Now, draft recommendations made to the federal government say Sunday rates should be aligned with Saturdays, particularly for the hospitality, retail and entertainment industries. Behind this drive to slash penalty rates is the Productivity Commission. This is an organisation which receives $38 million of taxpayers' money per year. Not surprisingly, business groups have welcomed the Commission's proposal. The reason being, obviously, that it will mean an increase in their profits. And one of
1: the big lies, they say, Mm -hmm. is that if you lower the rates, it'll mean more in people employed. Just think about that. If a place is fully staffed, Mm -hmm. lowering the wages doesn't mean they'll want to take on more workers. It'll just mean they'll make more
0: profit. They'll make more profit, but I was just going to go along uh, to say that. The real reason, as we (coughs) know, is that the reason they want to do this is to increase their profits. Terry McCran, God, how many years has he been around for? Must be almost like centuries. Yes. Terry McCran and the Herald try to suggest that this isn't the real reason why the proposal should be welcomed. McCran writes, as you've just pointed out, McCran writes, "quote, all the productivity commission wants to do is slightly reduce Sunday penalty rates. It's a very modest suggestion which will keep people working in well-paid jobs." point you just right. made. its was a complete lie. So the old argument of slashing wages in order to provide jobs, as if a capitalist's primary concern is to ensure that a worker has a well-paying job. Or that well,
1: they're going to take on workers yeah. they don't need, yes. because suddenly they're paying them less. It's ridiculous. ridiculous.
0: I mean, why would the capitalist care? Profit is his primary concern. And as for McCran's claim that $100 per week is slight well $100 per week him, is mate. actually to him yeah but $100 per week is actually a lot of money for a lot of people yes. yet again and you've just said this. you jumped in mate you jumped I thought, in I'm, I mean, a, I'm, I'm, a, ju- I'm like, a bugger I mean, like that give God. me a chance yeah. <laughs> yet again it needs to be pointed out that lower wages lead to less disposable income for workers leads to less products being sold by businesses leads to businesses reducing or stopping Production leads to workers losing their jobs, yes, unemployment, yes, what well, Terry McCran claims that he wants to prevent, he actually wants to give people more jobs now, polishing his shoes for three bucks an hour that'd be ideal. <laughs> McCran continues to patronize us all, be explaining that guess what. We live and work in a 24-7 society. Now, this was exactly the same line that Federal Industry Minister Ian McFarlane used earlier this year. He said, quote, People in the entertainment and retail sector need to understand we are now living in a 24-7 society. Hello. Well, it may be news to him, but entertainment and retail workers have known for a long time that a day has 24 hours and a week has 7 days. Another argument that gets charted out is that younger workers are more attracted to walking on weekends. I don't see that they do find weekend what more attractive. I think it's more a case that they've just gotten used to having had to work on weekends. Yes, yes, yes. You know. As compared well,
1: are they, are they done a survey
0: of young people to find this out? I don't believe no, so. No that I've seen, you know. I think it's just that the young people have gotten used to having had to work on weekends as opposed to maybe my generation. You know, where it would be more through the week, yes, you know, and yes. now I'm, the weekends all the time, I'm walking, you know. Previous generations would actually watch six or even seven days a week. Yes. You know, I mean, like, you know, the minute you walk up, you'd be <laughs> down, you know, <laughs> down to mine, you know. Yes. But, um, but, but uh, you know, then it became more nine to five and more Monday to Friday. And now, of course, they want to make it that every day is a day. Yes, every yes, yes You've yes. got no leisure time. You've no right to your leisure time. No, no, right, no. you'd be, you know, you'd be on call. You've got to
1: keep the economy going. Yeah, and you're on call. SMSs yes, and whatever. Right. Yes, yeah.
0: Get your your bum in here, you know. Workers still deserve a fair reward, and we can call it an incentive if we want, but for working these anti-social hours. People need to have their leisure. Now, I'm I'm speaking from a little bit of experience because I work in this sector, and one of the places I work is a football stadium. Now, the MEAA union has sites where workers do get paid penalty rates, and I know that's your union too. Uh, workers do get penalty rates at some of the sites, but at this site, at the football stadium, there are none. There are none. There was a flat rate of around about $26 per hour. $26 per hour for working in an event where so-called elite footballers get paid an average of about $5,000 per hour. Right. See this figure again? It just keeps popping I up. $5,000, <laughs> Brawny gets a trip to Geelong, yes. Takes $5,000, an AFL footballer gets paid, $5,000 per year is what they want to take off the ordinary worker. Yes. Fair? Yes, yeah, no. Fair. Now these footballs, the fact that many of them can barely kick straight, a skill which would appear to be well within their job description. You would think you would think. <laughs> uh, this is one reason why you shouldn't watch Aussie Rules football, by the way, OK? because Yeah, that, yeah that, they're very frustrating. But you would think this would be in the job description, but um, it, it is, and a lot of them can't kick straight, but it doesn't deter them from ripping off the average working-class fans. And speaking of the fans, I just thought I might chuck this in. If any of them are still listening after last week, that is. What? At the AFL. After last week's show. I can't remember what, what? The AFL fans. But um, if AFL fans, if you would like to join a group which is working in the interest of fans, I recommend the AFL Fans Association. I went to the AFL Fans Association AGM a few weeks back, and a pretty good bunch of people they are. Now, it's a free membership, and contrary to the opinion of some, they're not all white, bogan trash. They're, in fact, a fine group of working-class activists who want a better deal for people when we're trying to enjoy our, our well-earned leisure time. Footage, you know, I mean, this is, this is a something for walking people. You know, this is like 15, 20 bucks to get in. It really is. It's not ACDC, and it's not OM. No, know no, I mean? no, so no, it re- no. It really no, is. No, so, no. you know, give people a fair go, you know. Now, Prime Minister Tony Abbott has suggested that he's not going to attack penalty rates just yet. But that's surely only for tactical reasons. Um, you know, the election's just around the corner. I really don't think they'd be want to do that. However, if the coalition were to be returned to government, such a move would no doubt be high on their agenda. The class war never ends. They'll come back and they'll want to crush us yet again. Yes, yes, yes. So it is perfectly clear on which side um, Abbott will come down. Opposition leader Bill Shorten doesn't have a good record in this question, and I'm not sure where he stands at present.
1: Um, but I'm not wait, hanging around waiting to find out because I don't trust them. Well, they never frankly. increase the they never the Labour Party never increased the amount paid to unemployed people, which no. is below the poverty line. Yeah. No, well, you don't. You don't. Didn't see occur around. to uh, our uh, staunch defenders of working people, the ALP. Hmm. To hell with the, you know. In fact, they came out explicitly against. Increasing the dog.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, do you know where Tony?
0: Uh, sorry, Tony Abbott. Tony Shorten. What, are you? Do you know where Bill Shorten stands on this penalty rates at the moment?
1: Uh, have they said anything? I, didn't I mean, know.
0: they're probably not going to try to get it through at the moment. But I was just wondering. You know, has Bill Shorten made a statement? I think.
1: Or I think his tactic would be to keep quiet. Keep quiet. Well, he is keeping quiet. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> I was. Uh,
0: I was trying to find something. Yeah. Out, you I think know. that's that's it. Because
1: yeah. they would probably do the same thing, but they yeah. would like. Abbott to swing in the breeze, so to speak, yeah. doing it now, you yeah. know, rather than yeah. saying we agree with you, which they have on everything else. Yes. yeah. Uh, well, you
0: know, I stopped the boats. If you go back a few years, the GST, yeah, they do tend to. They probably would do it again with the GST. If they support it, they'll just say nothing, let the Tories take all take the all flag. The That's but, right. I, we're not actually any different, you know. No, but no. You'll think we are, and you'll vote for us. That's right, exactly. The fact is, speaking of Shorten and Abbott and these sods, Uh, The fact is, as always, if we want to defend ourselves on the job and in our leisure hours, we can't rely on governments and we can't
1: rely on courts. We need to do it for ourselves. Absolutely. And actually, one of the other things that's going parallel to all this attack on penalty rates is, of course, the demands for an increase in the GST, which is grossly unfair, which affects everybody and affects the poor adversely. Um, And they're also saying, well, we want a reduction in the corporate rate. Well, we might as well reduce the corporate rate of taxation because the buggers don't pay it anyway. Um, The more pressing thing, rather than getting through the GST, I would have thought, is getting multinationals to pay any tax at all. Just pay what they're supposed to pay in the FOSS?
0: Well, pay something.
1: (laughs) Pay something. Uh, If the the corporate over the last seven years had been reduced to 20%, rather than less than the 30%, American Express, for example, still would not have paid one cent in tax. Apple was another one. Thanks to the dubious tax arrangement, the Australian businesses, this Australian business, has paid no net tax for seven years. God. The nine, uh, big, pharma- the nine f- big pharmacy firms, with their massive, massive profit, paid a paltry $85 million in income tax between them last year, despite raking up $8 billion in sales and receiving $3.5 billion in subsidy from the Australian taxpayer. So that's
0: 0.1% in tax? Is that right? That's something like that, A yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, less, actually. Like Chevron. What about Chevron? Not only did it manage to skive out of paying tax altogether... Nice. The Australian tax office even wrote the oil giant a cheque for $5.7 million. Yeah. So Chevron's
0: compa- a US company. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: So they didn't pay any tax, but they still got a handout from our <laughs> government for 5.6. <laughs>
0: Thank you for coming here to do it.
1: Yeah, That's right. <laughs> then there's Australia's top bookmaker, William Hall. No, it's English. William Hill. It's English. English, yeah. is he? Well, he's the top one in Australia. William Hill, yeah. Leading merchant bank, UBS, oil giant Shell, our biggest coal producer, Glencore, the Singapore shenanigans of BHP and Rio, the list of multinational tax offenders goes on. No attempt to collect tax from these people. And who...
0: no attempt to jail the buggers. Well, know? that's right. Well, it's like Bromann.
1: Jail or worse. Yeah, public, public flogging would, would go down well with me.
0: Bromann's initial penalty, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was to pay back the $5,000 plus
1: 25% on top. Right. That's right. just
0: because she got caught. That well, one well,
1: time. <laughs> well, I mean, you can imagine uh, that fellow Slipper, he'd be yeah. spewing. He I mean, he walked off with 800 bucks. Yeah. Eight bucks. And he gets hounded out of the parliament, where, where Bronwyn is uh, being thanked for standing down.
0: I mean, if I steal a car, I'm just saying, if I steal a car, you know, mm-hmm. and I get caught for stealing the car, I
1: just can't pay it back what the car costs. No, 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 no. Or even yeah. hand the car back. Or <laughs> <laughs> just... And the car bat, which is the same thing. In fact, ironically, the Business Council of Australia, whose members include some of the nation's worst tax avoiders, has been calling for leadership on tax reform. Along with the big four, such peak bodies continue to host their conferences and pump and press releases causing, calling for tax reform. That is, for us... Yeah. To pay more tax, I it's, thought I was. it's almost like mm. Bronwyn Bishop calling for reform to politicians' expense claims. We
0: well, see the thing is when you're working class, when you're just you know working on a job, right, getting paid wages, it's taken out before you actually see it. Well, you don't have a chance you to. <laughs> that's, well, you don't have the chance to no, avoid it right. because
1: we're, the so other the other thing in a few minutes we've got is the Australian government announced the building of a new fleet of frigates costing twenty billion dollars. And uh, you, wonder, this is why we're so short of money. You see, this is why you've got to attack the workers and you've got to increase yeah. the GST mm-hmm. because we've got to pay for for these boats, uh, frigates costing fifteen billion dollars, plus submarines at a total cost of eighty nine billion dollars. You think they were expecting us to have a war? Well, well, quite. Well, they do. They do. The Navy build-up is aimed at further integrating Australian defence forces in the U.S. pivot to Asia and its preparations for war against China. Over the past four years, mainly under the leadership of Gillard, Australia has been transformed into a platform for American forces in Asia, with the country's northern bases opened up to U.S. Marines, warplanes and naval vessels. Uh, Washington's been pressing Australia to boost its military spending and to purchase equipment that complemented the US Navy's own build up in the Indian Pacific. Um, the siting of the uh, building of the ships to South Australia, of course, was for obvious political electoral reasons to try and save Christopher, Pine. Christopher Pine's yeah. seat. Although, well, as one business commentator in the Australian Remence, Christopher Pine, they said that Parliament without Christopher Pine wouldn't be the same but is he worth $89 million? (laughs) (laughs) The silence throughout the media and the political establishment about the purpose of all these naval expansions, they're talking about the cost Mm. and when it's going to come. But why? Yes. Why? Yes. Why we're not learning it is because there's unanimity, unanimity in Australian ruling circles for Washington's aggressive stance against China. And I love the way sometimes they'll turn it around, especially on the Labour side of politics. I know Doug
0: Cameron did this mm-hmm. a while back, a Scottish fellow, right? And it's like, sort of, make the suggestion that, well, at least it's providing jobs. Any job, you know, whether it's... If even it's building these weapons of death, which are totally unnecessary. Yes, yes. Any job is a good job. Well, You've that's right. This, that's right. Know?
1: In other words, building but spending $89 billion of your money yeah. to build submarines for use against whom, yeah. one might and ask. It's just so, so and how's that going to benefit uh, you and your children? Ridiculous. Eighty-nine. Now, that $89 we could give us universal health cover. We could eliminate the private health sector mm. entirely mm. with that sort of money. But, but, but they, no. they, use,
0: they use that argument all the time, like, you know, building these weapons of death is providing jobs. I mean, it is, it's absurd.
1: It's so absurd argument. Jane's Defence Weekly, which comes out mm. weekly obviously, reported in May that annual defense spending lasts just in Southeast Asia was projected to reach fifty two billion by 2020, up from forty two billion this year. A large portion of the spending is on military forces related to na- uh, military hardware related to navy forces. Do you think of much, of much poverty is in that region. The Abbott government's announcement further adds fuel to the arms race that is developing in the Indo-Pacific and compounds the danger of war as tensions rise in flashpoints such as the South China Sea. The other little tiny thing if we've got one minute before we invite your call, it was good to see the Adam Goods thing being played at, and to see the massive support he he got. And some people say, Oh no, the booing had nothing to do with racism. Well, I went onto the web and I found an article by somebody who was supporting the booing, a bloke called Zanetti, a journalist, Paul Zanetti. And his articles had the usual usual rubbish in there that it was... I've never uh, heard of him. No. <coughs> well, nor had I. Nor had I. I thought he was a goalkeeper. Well, I didn't care what he was, but what was interesting was not so Peter much... Peter Burnetti? Old goalkeeper for Chelsea. Peter Bonetti. No, 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 Zanetti. 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 Oh, no, he was a goalkeeper for Inter Milan. Oh, God, how the hell would I know? He could have been a goalkeeper. <laughs> Goalkeeper for the Fu Manchu, for all I would know, but I do know that in the comments under there, there was every redneck in Australia must have responded. What's They're, a redneck, Chris? Uh, someone with uh, someone ill-informed with extremely right-wing opinions. It Sounds to me like somebody who gets a redneck. That's right. That's where the expression comes from. In yeah, America.
0: yeah. It's an interesting expression. Is it, is it something like a bogan?
1: No. Yeah. No, because <laughs> working-class
0: red... people. No, not necessarily. Oh, no. okay. Not necessarily. So would um, Donald Trump be a redneck?
1: Well, to me, he is. Oh, he's a redneck. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. A bigger, a bigger than a redneck, yes. Uh, but all these redneck opinions by people in this column were all had stuff like anti-Muslim, anti-Aboriginal, anti-foreigner, anti-Wahid Ali, you know, the Muslim commentator on here. 10, in other yeah. words, proving beyond belief that the people who... The main people who booed Adam Goods were racist. And all the columns, if you had any doubt about it, you looked at all the columns, they were shocked. So, everybody who booed at a football match is a racist? If they boo, so they, the ones that booed Adam Goods constantly over a period of nearly 18 months, every time he came near the ball, they booed him. And How do you know this when you don't even watch football? How do I know this? Yes. Well, because it's been reported.
0: I go to the football. I was at the football on. I was at the football <coughs> last Sunday, and I have to say you were there that,
1: booing, were you? Well, I was walking. Right,
0: well, maybe <laughs> right. I was. I was walking out, but um, it was exactly the same as it always is. There's no difference. And there was the occasional boo, and There was the occasional cheer. Yeah, the,
1: look, the occasional boo, no one big way This, the, was, the, this the, was. This the, was the, systematic.
0: Yeah, no, but the nature of sport. Because I know you're not a big sports fan, but this is like when you get but to the, when you get here. to the end of the act in the opera, you go. Yeah, I believe. I, well, I believe you do. I'm sure this well, is what you people do. Some do, yes. You, you clap, you know. Well, you see, the thing is, in, in football, in organised sports, you might have a red team, you might have a blue team. And people are and you have booing the other. And you have the red team's fans will cheer the red team and will boo the blue team. And the blue team's fans will cheer the blue team and boo the red team. Occasionally they'll boo their own team. Well, look, and that's a bit weird. But this I is think, the general that, nature of
1: yes, it is. team sports. But if a, if a group like the Aboriginals tell me... That that the abuse is racism. I trust them more than well-fed white middle-aged people who are saying, "Oh, there's no racism there." I trust the victims. Well, hang on a minute. They I'll, know. a minute. They know what racism. Hang on a, mi- there will, hang on a
0: minute. Is. There will be some racialism there. There yes. will be some racialism there,
1: but there will be a whole lot of opinions there. You've got to go to court.
0: But to say that all the people who are
1: booing didn't say it all. all oh, okay. Didn't say it all. Okay. I'm saying that it was a racist phenomenon and I don't think there's any doubt about it. But anyway, well, you don't not... follow football, so you're really not... Well, no, but I read no, papers no, no. and no. I've certainly been following the Adam Good thing and I saw the Wapid thing, so yeah. I took interest in this because of the racism.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in
1: Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.